Bob. I want to talk to you just a few minutes today on a subject that is so close to my heart. Um, and it's revival. Without revival, we're in a, a real mess because the book of Malachi says either someone's going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah and preach a message that's going to stimulate revival if it can be stimulated and people if people respond to the message then there's going to be a great revival before the coming of Christ if there is no response to that message then he said I'm going to come and curse the land uh, many Bible scholars believe that that cursing of the land is the ushering in of the tribulation period because everything that's happening to man in terms of punishment begins with a curse on the land the sun refuses to shine. When it does shine, it shines with such brightness that people have skin cancers, they're covered with sores, hailstones, this is all about the land, the earth being cursed, hailstones, 96 pounds fall out of the heaven, crush houses, crush people, there's something strikes the earth, uh, the best that John can describe it, a star fell from heaven, when in fact a star would be bigger than the earth. The sun is the, one of the smallest stars in our universe, and you could put about 25,000 Earths inside the sun if it was hollow. That's a small star. So it obviously had to be a comet or an asteroid. When it hits the Earth, the Bible said that, that one-third of all, not just people, but all sea life is going to be destroyed. The Bible said not only that is going to occur, but then all of those other things. Everything, water, which is of the earth, is turned to blood. The angel said that's a requisite response to the murderous, well, the innocent blood, actually, that has been shed from Adam till that time. Man is a shedder of blood. Let him drink blood. Since he's bloodthirsty, give him blood to drink. So it's revival or the curse. There's no in-between. And we have to understand that. We have to understand the imperative. And so when John came out of the wilderness, <laughs> some called him Elijah. In fact, they asked him, are you Elijah? And he said, no, I'm not. His name was John the Baptist. But he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Amen? They thought of Jesus as Elijah because the prophecy in Malachi 4 said, Elijah's going to come. And spirit and power, he's going to bring a message that if responded to, will bring revival. If rejected, will cause the judgment to hasten. And the day of the Lord is going to fall. By the way, I believe there's a literal Elijah. Remember what Peter said? He said, some say you're Elijah to Jesus. But Peter knew you're not literal Elijah. If you want to know about the two witnesses, I believe one of them will be Elijah. The other is speculative. Could be Enoch, speculative. Could be Moses, law and prophet. Could be Enoch because he was never... Never died. He was translated. Elijah, same thing. But Elijah is almost 100% agreed upon. 
as one of the two witnesses because they will have power to do what Elijah did when he was here on earth originally. They'll have power to stop the heavens from raining. So one is going to come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And in essence, John the Baptist did that. There had not been a prophet of that line, of that magnitude, 400 years. 400 years. And there was no word from the Lord. No prophet came, Willie, for 400 years. Man had rejected God's word until God just quit talking to him. And that's one of the harshest judgments of all is when God just says, you know, I give up. You want it your way? You can have it your way. I'm not going to rebuke you. I'm not going to command you. I'm not going to encourage you. In fact, I'm just not saying anything. And there was a famine in the land. And it wasn't a famine for food or raiment, the Bible said. But it was a famine for what you're hearing right here today. It was a famine for hearing the Word of the Lord. Can you say amen? And that's a serious famine because your soul is going to suffer. Not just your physical body, but your soul is going to suffer. I believe we're in a famine now. Churches on every corner, but I believe we're in a spiritual famine for hearing God's Word on Sunday morning. And not just anything that we choose out of the Bible, but what the Spirit is saying to the church. God has a message for His people. There's some people came along with seemingly nothing but a faith message. There's no such just faith message in the Bible. Seven churches get seven distinctly different messages. Isn't that incredible? God doesn't, one evangelist with a faith message, you don't go down to the church where God has, says there's a Jezebel in the pulpit teaching my people to sin. And if you don't sit her down, I'm going to cast her into a bed and judge her and cast them that follow her into the same judgment. You don't go preach prosperity to them. You preach repentance to them. Amen? You can't go down and teach them faith or spiritual warfare. They've already given over. They need to repent and be restored. You can't go to Ephesus and talk to them about all of their, their doctrinal purity. Because at Ephesus they lost their first love. And Jesus said, repent or I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand. And nobody in that church thought they were in that kind of jeopardy. Because they had so much right, and he commended them for it. But he said there's something wrong, and what is wrong is intolerable. It's something God will not be patient with. He just flat won't put up with it. Immediately. I'll come to you immediately. I won't wait. There will be no space for repentance once you have been called to repentance. And I'll remove your lampstand. How do you know when it's gone? The anointing is not there. Someone is talking from the Bible. Some people are sitting in the pews listening to what somebody's saying from the Bible. But the anointing is not there. When it said candlestick be removed, it's lampstand in Scripture. And the lampstand was not wick and wax. It wasn't a candle on a candelabra. It was an oil fuel lamp. And oil is always a type of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is not or will not or cannot manifest, 
Number one, the word doesn't come under the anointing. Therefore, it breaks no yokes. It may tickle the ear. It may tantalize the mind. But it will not break a spiritual yoke over anyone. And you will not hear it without the anointing. Without the anointing, you won't hear what the Spirit says to the church. You'll hear what the man is saying, the woman is saying, but you won't hear the Holy Spirit speak to you distinctly and directly. But if the man is anointed, the woman is anointed, if you are anointed and you're open to receive, the Holy Spirit will talk to you. God's Word will come alive within you, praise God, and thrive within you, and bring forth fruit. This is quite a day we're living in when we're faced with the reality of having either revival or judgment. I don't see any in between. I don't see any, any other alternative to revival. And that's why I don't preach little cut and dried, soothe over pastoral messages. I'm a pastor evangelist. I am the president director of a ministry. This is different. It'll always be different. We won't be like everyone else. I'm the president director of a ministry that God sent me to do. Whether you come or whether you give or whether you don't, I have a calling and an appointment. I'm also the pastor. I'm also an evangelist because we reach out from here with the Word of God. To everyone that we can through every means that we have at our disposal. So when we come on our radio broadcast, let's talk about Jesus. Do you know any evangelists that you appreciate and trust? Is there anyone out there on television? I know it's getting skinny today. <laughs> There's got to be somebody you appreciate that is, that is in that kind of ministry. Amen. I know I'm scratching my head. Brother Shambach, but he gone. Amen. <laughs> well, we're, we're doing the work of an evangelist. The Bible said to do that. We're endeavoring to do that. But back to the revival thing. I don't want to get off course here. Back to the revival thing. It's revival or judgment. And someone is going to come with a message before the first coming of the Lord. God raised up after Elijah has already been taken into heaven. John comes out of the wilderness. And immediately they thought he was, he was the reincarnation. They didn't believe in reincarnation. They th this is Elijah. He's been sent back to us because of his message. Because he brought a message in the spirit and power of Elijah. Can you say amen? And what was his message? Repent! And make the crooked path straight. Prepare ye the way. Of the Lord. And so they, they were so convinced he was Elijah, though he said he was John, they asked him personally, are you Elijah? And he said, no, I am not. And he wasn't. Peter said of Jesus, they say, you're Elijah. And Jesus, of course, no, I'm not Elijah. Amen. Because they had read that last prophecy in the last book before the New Testament, Malachi. I'm going to send you one before the coming of the Lord, that great day of the Lord. I'm going to send you one in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he's going to have a message, if he did, will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. And the hearts of the children back to the fathers. 
Do you understand when a dad truly gets saved? It's going to have a ripple effect in the family. Particularly in a family where the dad was revered. It's a little tougher now than it was in that day. Dad was revered and dad was a spiritual leader. And that's why the Philippian jailer said what? Philippian jailer (laughs) said, what must I do to be saved? After the jail cells burst open, Peter said, believe on... (laughs) Believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved and thy household. Was it automatic? No. It meant if the dad got saved, it would trickle down. They'd see what happened to him. They reverenced him. They honored him. And he would tell them about Christ and they would come to Christ. Hallelujah. So when the hearts of the fathers are turned back to the children and the children get saved, then the hearts of the children are what? Turned back to their fathers. And the revival God wants to send is not just a few responsive people here and there but families that are restored in the faith praise god and it's got to be a message of repentance it's got to come under a holy anointing and it must be responded to to do any good at all malachi the last book before the new testament And the reason they were so hungry when John came preaching in the spirit and power of Elijah is because it had been 400 years. 400 years. Listen to what it says in Malachi 4 and verse 5, 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Strike the earth. Yes, He's going to judge the people, but the way He's going to judge the people is striking the earth with a curse. And it's that curse on the earth that constitutes the great tribulation period the day of the lord everything that hurts man is a habit earthquakes that shake the earth so bad that every island of the sea is removed there's not an island that's why i believe personally in the pre-tribulation rapture because unless he takes us out of here there's nowhere he can put us down here And that may not be, I don't want to go into issues here today. I just want you to know where I stand. You can go either way. You can stay here. You can go with us. Amen. Whichever you choose to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. But it's the day of the Lord's wrath. And we have not been appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. God said something in the Old Testament. He hasn't changed his mind because he changes not. I will not judge the righteous with the wicked. Can you say man? He talks about coming again and taking up his jewels. Right now, we can't see. There's an inequity. There's people doing wrong that are blessed, doing right, that are persecuted. And God said, when I come to take up my jewels, all that's going to change. Right now, you may not see a big difference in the world economy between the righteous and the wicked. But when I come, you're going to see the difference. He said, and you'll know that the Lord doth make a difference between the righteous and the wicked. Can you say, man, hallelujah, praise God. To me, it's revival or it's judgment. 
Once that message has been brought, under God's anointing, by His Spirit, from His Word, then we have to make a choice whether to be revived or whether to be judged. Because this lukewarmness that's become status quo is unacceptable to God. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, what happens? I'll spew you out of my mouth. The word is a strong word in the Greek. It doesn't mean to spit. It means to vomit. It means to throw up. In other words, God said, this just makes me sick. When I see this, this form of godliness that denies the power thereof that would mark the last days. So revival is not an option. We've, we've come so far away from revival to where families are saved. I want to see all of my children saved. See, that's what we're sowing here today. We're sowing seeds and challenges to intercede and to believe God for whole families to be brought into the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you something. This, this, this is so important. This is so vital. I, I, I don't know where this, this is going to take us after today. I really don't know. I really don't know. But I know one thing. I know what I'm called to do. And I know where I'm called to do it. And I know that God loves me for it. And I know there's people in here that appreciate us. And without you guys, we couldn't have, we couldn't have stood the test and the pressures because we've had 53 years of it. The fishbowl is not a, not a pleasant place to live. But we've lived in it by the help and grace of God. And God has been good to me. And he's been good to my wife. And we pray we could be good to you. Listen to me carefully. That's why when I preach, I don't preach as a little preacher in a little church. I preach. I pray that I can preach in the spirit and power of Elijah. Praise God. Amen. Because we want to see the hearts of your children turn back to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers turn back to their children. I want all of my kids saved. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have a revival in my life and my wife's and my kids be lost or my kids drift away. I want my kids saved. I want something to sweep families and sweep homes. We said it so many times about Willie's big old family. I went to a birthday party for Willie, I think it was, out at the park. I, I thought his family, what was it, 100 people, 150 people? Something like that. I thought, dear Lord, God in heaven, if you just save all of his family. Can you imagine the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the children back to the fathers, the uncles, the aunts, the cousins, the in-laws, and the outlaws? 150, if his whole, if that tribe got saved. Amen. Can you imagine? We'd have to build on to this church to accommodate them. To bring them, bring them into a Holy Ghost nursery and nurture them in the Word of God. And there's no price on that. For we were not redeemed with that that can corrupt, but something incorruptible. We were not redeemed with silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers as the manner of some are, but with the precious blood of a lamb, without spot and without blemish. Can you say, man, hallelujah. 
There was a price paid for you and a price paid for me. And it's beyond rubies. It's beyond diamonds. It's beyond anything the world can offer. Hallelujah. And thank God that we, we, we've survived long enough to still preach Jesus in this generation. Can you say man? We don't get up here and show our scars. We don't get up here and tell you about our hurts. We don't tell you about our I tell you about my family issues because I need your intercession. And I need to share it with someone that will pray with me and for me. But we're not here talking about all the things that have happened wrong down through the years. We're telling you how faithful God is. How good He is. How gracious He is. And we try to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you find yourself in the emergency room, amen, we want enough faith into you to know that God will meet you there. And He will move if you call upon Him. We want to build your faith in Jesus. Hallelujah. Because there is victory in Jesus Christ today. Glory to God. As I read this, He said, I'm going to send Elijah. Well, Elijah hasn't come with the message, but someone came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And Jesus said, it's John. And they said, well, John, are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not Elijah. And Jesus actually said, if you can receive it. In other words, if you can understand that John is the fulfillment of that prophecy because of the spirit and anointing that's on him, not Elijah himself, but a man in the spirit and power of Elijah has been sent to you. And Jesus said, if you can receive it, you can comprehend that. It don't have to be the man Elijah if the message of Elijah is sent through a faithful man. Because whether it's Elijah or John bringing the same message, it doesn't make a difference. It's the message that's going to turn the, under the anointing in the spirit and power that's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children back to the fathers hallelujah and it's that message that's fought listen the average pastor to show he's not interested in revival the average pastor statistically numbers don't lie people do numbers don't 15 minutes barna the barna poll well accepted among christian circles as accurate not perfect 15 minutes you take a thousand pastors, send them questionnaires, ask them not to sign it, just send it back in so nobody knows who does, who don't. You get honesty. And the honesty that came was that 15 minutes of intercession. See, that was the issue of the early church. Choose you seven men full of the Holy Ghost to take care of everything else. That we might give ourselves to what? Have you read that part of the Bible? Fasting, prayer, and ministry of the Word. Prayer and ministry of the Word. If you want to know my job description, it's to intercede for you and bring you the Word of God. This was the command of Paul to the leaders at Ephesus. I'm going away. Feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God. Well, what is the food, brother? I'm glad you asked. Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you shepherds and pastors after my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge 
and understanding. Can you say man? And it's not general knowledge and understanding. It's specific knowledge and understanding. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Nor the mighty man his might or the rich man his riches. But he that glory, let him glory in this that he knows and understands me, saith God. Can you say man? And the Bible said that Paul prayed that God would grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. And they're going into captivity for a lack of knowledge. And the preacher is not giving himself to intercession. He only prays 15 minutes a week because he's got his little sermon book and the church is full of activities and everything is political and everything is planned and there's no revival to bring families into the kingdom of God. And that's my only heart cry because that's my job. That's my appointing. That's my anointing. And God has opened doors for us to do it. The reason we're praying for Amen today is because we've been on the web and we have a footprint. If you type in THCOG, it'll take you to the Holy Church of God out of the millions of different websites. It'll come up number one on the web on your search on Google. Because we have a footprint. You know what that means? Enough people have come until that little Typed in letters will take you to this church's website. Someone coming to that website from Pakistan trusted us enough to ask us to pray for something so important. Life and death. And they say, I believe if I ask them to pray, God is going to move. So something was on that website to encourage that kind of faith and confidence in this ministry. Can you say man? That's what you're investing in. That's what you're giving to. That's what I'm living for and giving up my life to do. This is my life's work. This is my calling. Listen to it carefully. If this revival doesn't occur, he said, then I'm going to come and smite the earth with a curse. And when the earth is cursed... The sun doesn't tan you anymore. Not that you need a tan, my brother. Amen. The sun doesn't tan you anymore. Copper tone won't solve this. You know what's happening right now? Right now, there are sections of a very fragile ozone layer that filters the ultraviolet rays. That come from the sun to cause our crops to grow. Listen, if you're taking a vitamin, you need to go sit in the sun for a little while every day. Not get skin cancer or do anything that hurts yourself. Not get heat stroke. But your body needs sunlight. They've found that in offices. They're trying to get lights that simulate sunlight. Plants need it to grow. The day is coming when the sun will not want to give its light through the clouds or whatever will be there. And when it does shine. There will be no ozone layer to filter the ultraviolet rays. And the Bible said men will be smitten with sores all over their body. Every part of their body that is exposed will get skin cancer. And it will be ravenous and it will come. The earth cursed brings judgment 
upon men and women, boys and girls that live on this planet. This is how critical revival is. Because it's called the day of the Lord. It's the, the day of His wrath, justifiable anger. It's not something God suddenly gets mad about and decides to do. It's something that's been building all this time. And the Bible speaks of a cup filling up. When the cup of His indignation is full. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a point where God says, I can't let it go. I'm long-suffering. I am patient. I've been way patient for a long time. But I'm sending a messenger. It's not just me. It's a message that God has appointed and God has anointed for this people on earth in this time. One is coming in the spirit and power of Elijah. And the message he's going to bring in that kind of anointing and that kind of truth is going to cause repentance to occur. It's going to cause families to come to Christ. Conviction is going to come and sweep whole families into the kingdom. And the hearts of daddies will be turned back to their kids. And the hearts of the kids back to their daddies. And all in between, that means mama and aunts and uncles and cousins. Hallelujah. And that message received will bring that kind of revival. But that message rejected will hasten the day of judgment, and the day of the Lord. That's why I preach for revival. Every time I step behind a pulpit, I do not preach the message that would be appropriate for just a few little people here. I preach as if we're in a camp meeting and the whole world is going to hear the message. And a lot of the world is through the website. Wherever God wants to send it, he can send it. And that's what we claim for radio, and that's what we claim for the website. Psalm 107 and verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 That's why Isaiah said, when he saw the Lord in the temple, here am I, Lord, send me. He said, I'm going to send you, Elijah. Can you say, man, before that day, and there's going to be a message. I've said it before, before reading this particular portion of Scripture, before the first coming of Christ, John the Baptist came with a message as a precursor, precursor and a forerunner. What was his message? Repent. And make the crooked path straight. Was that the message of Elijah to ancient Israel? Yes. Has God changed his mind about sin and repentance? No, he has not. Hallelujah. That message received always brings revival. And revival always brings restoration. And restoration always brings joy. When your family comes into the kingdom... When every one of my children are saved and their heart and my heart are knit as one, serving and following Jesus. You think you've seen me shout? You ain't seen nothing yet. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. When I see your family, your kids come to Jesus. When I used to go to Jamaica... When we had a big church and we had the ability to do so and people that would give a thousand dollars in the offering so we had something to do with. 
When I used to go to Jamaica, we, we supported an orphanage. And when I went out to the orphanage uh, about 50 miles from Port-au-Prince, I saw the kids. And when we got there, they, they were all lined up, 120 or 30 of them. And they were in ages, looked like from 4 to 14. And they were bush babies. These were not an orphanage that was by some big organization near the town. These were, this was a, 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 a Haitian man, Brother Luis Yeast. He has a wonderful story and testimony, and I'll tell it and quit in just a minute. But he came here to raise funds for his orphanage, and he came to Dallas, Texas. I think it was 78 Eight, no, it couldn't have been then. Anyway, he came to Dallas, and I was in Dallas for a convention. And he got robbed. They took his return plane ticket. They took all the money he had, and he didn't have much. He just had enough to get over here and get back. Church had sponsored him. And he got robbed. By the way, you say, what, in the will of the Lord? Well, Paul was fell among thieves. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. So being robbed don't mean you're not in God's will. Amen? So he got robbed. fact is, it kind of says you are in the will of the Lord because Satan fights what he fears. And so he, he does everything he can to hinder. Well, he had no money to get home. So he had to preach his way home. He had done been back home, but he... Had to go to different churches. He ended up in Gainesville. Preaching for a friend of ours in Gainesville. And the guy called me from Gainesville and told me the whole story. He said, can you come and preach for you on his way back to the Miami airport? Maybe by then he'll have enough money to get home on. I said, send him on down. Came and preached for us. We raised an offering for him. Got him to his plane in, in Miami. He got to his plane in Miami. He looked back on it and said, you know something? I didn't come here to raise money. I came to be lifted up and edified. But since I got robbed, <laughs> I got churches committing to help me to do the work. And he said what the devil meant for evil, God meant it for good. And God always wins. Can you say man? Hallelujah. But bush babies are children that they can't feed, that are starving. They take them to his little mission home. And just drop them off. And when they dropped them off, he would take them in. Well, all these bush babies were out there. That had grown up into children and teenagers. And they're all standing there. And they begin to sing in French Creole, which is the language of Haiti. They begin to sing. And I only could recognize one word in the song of praise they were singing. Yezu. Jesus, Jesus. But every time they came to, and when they said Yesu, they were closed eyes, and the majority of them tears were streaming down their face. And some of those little kids were speaking in tongues and praising God. Those little kids. Why? Because God is moving. Not just because that we're helping them financially, but because God is moving. But one thing led to the other thing. God just blessed, and my heart broke, and I wept. And I thought, I, we live in the most opulent country in the world. 
But we don't see this kind of gratitude. We don't see this kind of spiritual hunger. We don't see our children with tears in their eyes praising God. But this revival God wants to send will bring our children under that. I'm going to tell you something else, and I say this prophetically. I believe that this, this special hip-swinging, hand-clapping service just for the youth is going to have to give way to a corporate praise service. I, I There's a man that comes and does our bugs. We call him the bug man. He's got a name tag. He works for Terminex. I still don't know his name. <laughs> But I know who he is. If somebody says, you recognize that guy? I say, sure, that's our bug man. He's the bug man. But he used to be in charge of the sound for the youth service at a large spirit-filled church in Plant City. When I say large, I'm talking about 1,500 to 2,000. So he was in charge of the sound. So he sat in the sound booth. And he said, we got the youth. We got them in. He's in his 20s now, mid-20s to late 20s. He's got a wife and family. But at that time, he was part of the youth ministry team. He said, we got three to 400 young people. But he said, I sat from behind looking when the word came, when the prayer was being said. And he said, Two-thirds of that audience that we counted as fruit of the ministry were not paying any attention to the preaching. Had no, wouldn't even bow their head during prayer. He said, but we had a head count that looked really good. And you know what his heart cry was? That we could see genuineness and authenticity. And we could see young men and women sold out to Jesus that could touch their generation for Christ. See, this is the revival Malachi is talking about. That day is not going to come. That judgment day is not coming until I send Elijah to you. And Jesus said, if you can receive it, John was him. If you can receive it, if you can comprehend anyone under that spirit and that anointing with that message is the same as John being with you. You don't have the actual John coming back to earth to do what, to fulfill that prophecy. It's fulfilled in John. Oh, by the way, it was fulfilled in Christ. In this sense, Jesus came and preached, repent. 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 It's not the message that is in vogue. Christians are not challenged to repent. We're promised all of God's blessing. We never have to deal with the sin issue. You can slip in the modern church, the postmodern church, and say a four-letter word, and they just think you're hip and cool. But it's the three-letter word that will get you in trouble. When you talk about sin, last time I looked, sin had the same consequences. The wages of sin is still death. And the antidote for sin is still the blood of Jesus applied to our heart and our life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So he said, 
the fulfilling of the prophecy concerning Elijah, which they were looking for and mistook John for and mistook Jesus for, has been fulfilled in a spiritual sense. Because Elijah is not coming back unless he's one of the two witnesses that speak for three and a half years. And his message will not turn the hearts of the fathers back or the children when he comes. His message will just preclude the horrible judgments. In fact, they're going to kill him for preaching that message. And God's going to raise him up and judge the earth. The curse will come and is already in process when they stand and they preach. You, want, you don't want Jesus Christ? How about the Antichrist? You don't want Christ to rule over you? How about Him ruling over you? He said unless this revival occurs, if it's, and it will occur, someone's coming with that message. They may not be on Christian talk shows. I was on a Christian talk show. Not because I'd written a book, but because someone else had a son that killed himself because he got too involved in Dungeons and Dragons. He was a retired police officer in our church. He got depressed and just lived in the game and took on a character and, and finally killed himself. So I was on a, with him. Television would do extraordinary things for you. You know, but if I hadn't, I wouldn't be on nobody's broadcast. But it, I knew him and he asked me to come with him to give the scriptures because they were going to ask some biblical questions. He was going to give the testimony, and I was going to get to give the scriptures. I went from there to Merritt Island to speak in Merritt Island, Florida, part of a revival service with another man. And I remember when I got there, first thing that happened, somebody had seen me on Channel 22. And so it's instant credibility. You're on television. So they come running up to me and said, didn't I see you on television? And I said, yeah, I, I was on there one time. One time. <laughs> but that's all it took to give you a status with some people. I'm going to tell you something. People that have that kind of platform, that kind of influence for God, had better tell the whole truth when that camera is rolling. They better not hold back anything. Because the message that God is sending is a message meant to bring a revival, to get in the last harvest before the coming of the Lord. While the ark door is open, we got to get inside, darling. We got to get inside where it's safe. Because God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And lest I come, lest I come, Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Read the book of Revelation. Everything that's happening is a result of a cursed earth. And man is suffering under the cursed earth. And that was meant to bless him. When God made this earth, he made it to be a blessing to man. He made a garden. He filled him up and run him over. And all he had to do is stay true to God and keep obeying him. But he also put... In the whole process, at the foundation of the world, he, he knew he was going to give man a free will, and he knew we could blow it. So Jesus was not an afterthought. God, in panic, didn't 
come up with this plan of salvation. He's the lamb that was slain 2,000 years ago on the cross, knowing the mind and heart of God. The Bible said, say it. Or the foundation of it. What? You mean in the plan of God, he knew if man blows it? I still have a plan. <laughs> if man makes the devil his primary influence instead of me and brings to a degree a curse on the earth through that, I still have a plan. Can you say man? Because there is a redeemer. Oh, there is a redeemer. Listen to this two times. And i got to say it and quit because I started late. Can you give me five minutes in grace and patience? Listen to me carefully. Amen. I know my redeemer liveth. The most ancient book of the Bible had that revelation because he wasn't an afterthought. He was in the plan of God, in the heart of God, before he planned the world, before he laid the foundation of the world. There's a lamb slain so that if he blows it, I can redeem him from himself and his sin and from Satan. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. He's the lamb that was slain. Oh, he's... Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the foundation of the world, God has said, your sin will not ultimately damn you if you'll receive my provision and my plan. I don't want you in hell. I want you in heaven. Hallelujah. And that's why Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I don't know what's happening to me, why it's happening to me, and what God is up to. But this is the anchor that holds. I know my Redeemer lives. How did He know? God dropped it in His heart. Hallelujah. And at the last day, He will stand upon the earth. And when He does, though the skin worms eat all the flesh off my bones, when my Redeemer stands up, I'm going to stand up with him in my flesh. If you want to know whether you're going to be a spiritual body or this body, in my flesh, I'm going to see the Lord. Isaiah, I think it's 59, 19, and 20. You could check me out on it, but I know it's in the Bible, so read the whole thing and you'll find it somewhere. When the enemy comes in like a flood... You know what floods are doing in West Virginia? 24 people dead. Maybe find more bodies. Sudden. Sweeping houses off their foundation. Sweeping children out of their own backyard. It comes to destroy. It's, a, it's, what, it's what dug. It's what dug. Literally dug by water. The Grand Canyon. Water did that. A flood receding back to the ocean did that. When the enemy comes in like what? Like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Hallelujah. And does the next verse say right below that? Behold, a Redeemer shall come unto Zion. I want you to know Christ is the standard. That God has raised up against the enemy of your soul in mine. That's why in His name we tread on serpents. And in His name we cast out devils. Can you say man? Woo! Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. So today I'm committed to revival. I always have been. 
That's why I'm not your normal pastor. We don't have the normal structure. I'm the president director of a ministry that God called me to. I didn't ask to come to Tampa. I was sent to Tampa. I'm not asking anyone to stay in this room. But God's going to send somebody as long as he wants the door to stay open. Can you say amen? You don't have to be here. You do not have to be here. You're under no obligation. But God is obligated to meet the need if it's his work. Listen to me carefully. So this is different. And that's why people down through the years, someone came here to visit us and told their wife afterwards, they live in another state up north, said he should be on the road. A missionary from a lady from Africa came. She heard a message back at the old Holy Church of God and said he needs to go to Africa. They need to hear that message. Well, you see, the message is going to Africa. But it wasn't then with me personally going to Africa. It is now when the word that is preached here is going from here to Africa. And that's why we have an African pastor that has contacted us and said they listen through the radio station, not even through a website. They listen to Let's Talk About Jesus. And then they contacted us and, and through our website. See, that's why this ministry has been and always will be different. Brother Hobbs, this is not like the Church of God. We don't have the structure. We never adapted it. We're not going to. We're not going to. Because God sent me here. I have no choice but to be here. You have the choice whether to come here. I don't have the choice. I have a choice to disobey or obey. I chose to obey. And that's why we're here doing what we're doing. And that's why we want to thank you for helping us to get it done. Because God has already always sent somebody that would share the vision. That would help us to do it. Praise God. And I thank you today. So it's revival. That's why you're challenged in every single service. When I first went to the gym, I didn't go to look pretty. I went to get healthy. I was 220 pounds, five foot, six and a half. I looked like a bowling pin. In fact, my whole family, if we had a family gathering, it would look like bowling pins. So I'm fighting the gene pool, not only the biscuits and gravy, can you say man, but the gene pool itself. So I went to the gym, tried to get healthy, and I started working out. The problem was... I started working out with serious competitors. I was not seriously competitive. I'm not going to get in front of people and flex in a Speedo. <laughs> Brother Taylor says, <laughs> Brother Taylor says he ain't going to do that neither. End of my preaching career, even if I had the body for it, which I never achieved, but I was around professional powerlifters, professional bodybuilders. And they came over and decided, since I was dedicated to come in there, and they come over to help me. I said, Preacher Bob, Preacher Bob. See, see, they were worried about steroids. <laughs> There's other roids <laughs> you can get. Hemorrhoids, amen. They say, Preacher Bob, come on, you could do another one. 
Well, I thought I didn't come in here to act like you. I came in here to try to lose a little weight and, you know, get my health back where it needs to be. Come on, preacher Bob, you can do it. I remember one time, there was a time, I got to say this, Lord, forgive my vanity. But one time I had 90-pound dumbbells in each hand. Now listen, for a little five-foot-something guy, you know, that, that's a pretty good weight. And I was, from my chest, I was on an incline. Boom, 90 pounds. Boom. I did two of them. I, I felt good. <laughs> but the guy that was spotting me said, Christian Bob, you can get another one. And I thought, says you. He had muscles where I don't have places. He was Junior Mr. America. Come on, you can do another one. And then he said this, and I appreciated it. He said, Preacher Bob, he said, pretend the devil is right in the middle of those two dumbbells. (laughs) And then he gently put his hand under my elbow. And you know, he didn't push, but he gave me the courage and confidence that I could do it. Because he had challenged me and he was supporting me. And he gave me something to push for. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. I went, bang! I thought, now I got him. Let's quit. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> I got him. Let's quit. Just don't do that anymore. <laughs> but I needed the challenge. And I needed the support. And what we need today in the church of Jesus Christ is to be challenged and supported so that we can stand our ground, serve the Lord, be a witness for Him in this last closing day, and intercede to the degree that one day, just like you said, you've got, you started interceding for Amen. That means people are gathering, and one of you shall taste a thousand. Two of you in that kind of agreement shall put 10,000 to flight. They will come out against you one way. They will flee before you seven ways in complete defeat and disarray. If we ever get on the same page spiritually. And there's enough of us on that page to see a man delivered that's about to be beheaded. And that takes precedent over all the other issues here today. If it was your daddy, if it was your son, if it was your brother. He is your brother, by the way. And being, in, being where he is doesn't make him any less a brother in Christ. So that's what this is all about. And that's why I preach to challenge every single Sunday. And to support Because I don't preach the enemy coming in like a flood and just say resist him. I preach the rest of it as a redeemer has come. And it was prophetic of Christ has come to Zion. Hallelujah. And that was the ultimate defeat of the enemy. And he's a defeated foe spiritually. We have to face him and demonstrate that victory. But he has been, God ain't going to do nothing else. In fact, God ain't going to touch him no more. An angel is going to grab hold of him. It didn't even say he was going to be an archangel. I got a feeling it's going to be a private first class because he's done been. I do. I do. I don't think it's going to be one of God's. I don't think it's going to be Michael. I believe it's going to be a private first class. Just got through feeling potatoes in heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. To demonstrate Christ's victory. 
The Bible said an angel didn't designate him. Can you, an angel's going to grab hold of that old serpent, the devil, bind him with chains for a thousand years, and drop him into the bottomless pit. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because what happened at Calvary and the mighty name of Jesus has, has given us victory over him. Hallelujah. Will you stand your feet today? Thank you for coming. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, yeah. Let's just do this. Let's just worship the Lord in closing today. How many in this room have I married you? I don't mean I married you, ladies. But I performed your wedding. Anyone? You guys? You guys? Hallelujah. How many in this room have I baptized in water? Thank the Lord. How many in this room came to Christ under this ministry? There, 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 there. Came to Christ. When I get really discouraged and I get there, Brother Taylor... Don't prove you're weak. It proves you're human. That's what I look at. And I say, Lord, thank you for the privilege, for the honor of serving you. In a little church that a lot of pastors would say, you know, it ain't worth my time. Just a little handful of people. Honey, you're not only worth my time. You're worth all the time that Jesus spent hanging on the cross can you say amen every minute of it every minute of it was all about how much you are worth to him so you're worth my very best for the kingdom and paul said when i come unto you i want to impart to you a spiritual gift something that is not material or physical to this end that you might be established In other words, when I leave, if you have faith in Christ, you're saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you're trusting Him and following Him, then I have sown something that will reach into eternity. Can you say, man? So it wasn't just about people falling out or getting healed or getting liver shivers on Sunday morning. Something of eternal spiritual substance was imparted. And that's what the Word does. Some of you have encouraged me so much because you've told me that God is moving in your family because of God's Word. God's Word sown into your children. That's why I'm here and not at Tampa Electric today. Amen? That's why I'm here and not out on a line crew. I want to keep sowing into you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pray for my...
Thank you, Heavenly Father. That's just the Holy Spirit wanting us to worship God. This is not a message. Let's worship Him before we leave today. Thank you, Father.